Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like to invite you to open with me, if you would please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. It's Healing Week. We're going to talk about good news for the sick. The sick need to hear some good news. Amen? And we've got some good news to offer to the sick. It's found in the Word of God, Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. I want you to know that every child of God is under a divine mandate from heaven to preach good news to every creature in the world. God is concerned about every creature in the world. And He wants every creature in the world to hear good news. If you want to hear bad news, put on the television and just listen to the news cast at night and you'll hear bad news. If you want bad news, you can pick up a newspaper and read for the most part all about bad news. And to be frank about it, most places that you go to, you can hear bad news. But I'm telling you, there's good news. I said there's good news. The gospel is good news. You see, we're not to preach our own personal opinion. We're not supposed to preach current events. We are not supposed to preach politics or human philosophy or religious tradition. We are to preach good news. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is good news. And the world needs to hear good news. Every creature, Jesus said every creature, every person in all the world has the right to hear some good news. We'll go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, if you would, please. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible, but why is it that God is so insistent upon the fact that we preach good news to all the people that are in the world? Because the gospel or the good news is the power of God unto salvation. Everybody say it with me. The gospel is the good news of the power of God that brings salvation to all the world. Beloved, that's what we have. That is our tool. This is what we have to preach to the people that are in the world to, so that they can receive the power of God and ultimately be changed, receive salvation. It's the power of God unto deliverance, unto safety, unto rescue, unto healing, unto health, unto wholeness, unto meeting every need that every person has upon the face of this planet. The gospel is the good news that God has done something about their problem. And that's what God wants us to preach to the world. That is the message that we have been given to preach to the world that we live in. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, it's the very same message that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preached when He was here upon the face of this earth. Why would I want to preach anything differently? I believe that every Gospel message should be preached, not only preached, but received in the light or with the understanding that God has provided good news for suffering, hurting humanity. 
that God loves every creature that is in the world and that he has made provision to help every hurting person upon the face of this earth. Beloved, we cannot lose focus and lose sight of what our responsibility is as Christians here upon this earth. It's not just to build a church and have a little uh, facility where we can meet together and enjoy the presence of God and just grow ourselves. That's a part of it, but that is not the whole of it. God wants us to rise up to a place where we can take what we have been taught, what we have learned, and let the hurting, suffering humanity that is out there in this world know there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to shun, there is a God who loves them, there is a Savior who died for them, who has provided for them in spirit, in soul, in body, and all their needs are met in Him. And He wants us to tell them. He wants us to let them know. I believe if you are a creature who will preach the gospel to every creature in this world, you're going to have signs follow you. Amen. You're going to have miracles follow you. You're going to have wonders. Amen. If you commit yourself to do what Jesus said. In Luke's gospel, chapter 4, beginning at verse 18, here's the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because ye hath anointed me, the, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news or the gospel to the poor. What is the good news to the poor? What is good news to the poor? They don't have to be poor anymore. That's good news to the poor. Isn't that good news to the poor? He doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, He has sent me to announce release to the captives. Anybody captive tonight? I'm to announce release to you. I'm to preach release to you. You want to preach release to somebody else? That's good news. Are you bound by something? Are you held captive by something? I'm to announce the good news. What is the good news to those that are captive? Release. Release. It's like when the Emancipation Proclamation went forth and there were those that were in slavery and they had yet to hear the good news. And they were still in slavery until one day somebody came along and said, What are you doing in slavery? Haven't you heard? Don't you know about the Emancipation Proclamation? And they said, No, we have no idea what you're talking about. And they said, You're free! And they ran free. See, but they weren't free because they didn't know it. Even though they were free. They weren't walking in their freedom because no one told them. But somebody came along and told them and they walked free. Beloved, that's how we walk free. Announce to the captives, what? Release. And the recovery of sight to the blind. We're to tell the blind there's recovery of sight. Amen. Goes on to say, to send forth delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Someone says, I'm downtrodden. I'm crushed. I'm bruised. I'm broken down by calamity. And you're supposed to respond by saying what? I've got good news for you. What is that good news? You have been delivered. There's deliverance for you. You don't have to be broken down anymore. You don't have to be broken hearted anymore. You don't have to be overcome anymore. You don't have to be destroyed anymore, crushed or bruised. Somebody else was bruised for you. Somebody else was crushed for you. Someone else was broken down for you. Someone else was made sin for you. Someone else was made sick for you. Someone else was made your, your anxiety for you. Someone took upon himself everything that you encounter in this life and you no longer have to be bound. There's freedom. And then he goes on to say, the next part, verse 19, to proclaim 
the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord or the day when salvation, salvation, everybody say salvation, and the free favors of God profusely abound. The free favors of God. We're to proclaim the day. Beloved, this is the day. And we are to proclaim that this is the day when the salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Profusely abound means what? They're poured forth abundantly or liberally. They're given out in abundance. God's free favors have been poured out upon mankind in abundance. Jesus said, I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you more abundantly. Beloved, do you need something from God? Well, God has poured out His free favors upon humanity, and we are living in that day. Jesus said, in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. What is it that you need from God? His free favors have been poured out upon the whole human race in abundance. He has not withheld any good thing from those that love Him and walk upright before Him. We're to proclaim that. We're not to shrink back in fear because somebody comes along and says, I've got this gigantic need. We're supposed to rise up like a giant, praise God, and say, I've got some good news for you. I've got some good news for you. I'm so excited. I want to tell you. I want to let you know all about it. Well, what is it? You don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to be downcast anymore, downtrodden, beat up by the calamities of life, crushed and bruised. This is the day when God's free favors have been poured out upon all mankind. And whatever you need, whatever you desire, whatever you want, has already been provided for you. It's yours for the receiving. That's good news, beloved. Amen. I want you to see something in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would, please. If all this is true, and we know that it is, then Satan has got his work cut out for him. He has got to stop the mouths of those that will proclaim this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He has got to stop people in their tracks and prevent them from letting people know that salvation and the free favors of God have been abundantly poured out upon all the human race. He's got to stop people from letting the world know that God loves them. Jesus died for them and rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He's got to stop the mouths of these people so that people do not hear it, people do not receive it, and people don't know it. Why? He wants to hold them bound by His powers. He wants to keep them held captive through deception. And think about it. What will He do? He'll attack those that are in the ministry. He'll attack all the seminaries everywhere, all the uh, schools of theology throughout America and the whole world. Why? To put the wrong doctrine in those people's hearts and minds. Why? So that the leaders, the pastors that stand behind pulpits throughout the whole country would speak the wrong things and not tell the truth. Things like healing is not for today or things like God makes you sick, which is a lie straight from the pit. See? To get them to talk like that is to hold people captive and bound in chains of darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel, which is the power of God, if our gospel, which is the power of God, the good news of the power of God, be hid, 2 Corinthians 4, 3, it is said to them that are lost. 
in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. You see, the gospel is the power of God to those that believe. He wants to blind the minds of people. Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. They're not preaching their own doctrine. They're not preaching their own theology. They're not preaching their own opinions. They're not preaching their, their own uh, denominational teaching. They are teaching Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel that, look, Jesus did what no one else could do. He bore what no one else could bear. He took upon himself everything that was needful for you to obtain peace and to be made whole in spirit, soul, and body. The work has already been done. All you've got to do is say, Yes, Lord, I'm receiving it, and I'm going to walk in light of it. He is trying to blind the minds of people so their eyes cannot see and know the truth because that's what makes them free. Look at Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, if you would, please. In order for people to receive their portion of what God has so abundantly poured out upon them, they have got to have their eyes open to the truth. The eyes of their understanding must be enlightened to know the truth of the message of the gospel that, look, the poor don't have to be poor anymore. The brokenhearted don't have to be brokenhearted anymore. Somebody did something to eradicate those things from their lives. The blind person doesn't have to be blind anymore. The sick doesn't have to be sick anymore. The hurting, suffering, sighing, crying, dying in humanity no longer has to be under the oppression of Satan. Praise God. The Son of Man has come to make you free, and in Him you are free indeed. That is the message that God once proclaimed to the world, and Satan doesn't want to have any part of it. He doesn't want one person in all the world to proclaim that truth because he knows that when people's eyes are open unto it, his days of reigning over their lives are ended. Amen. Somebody say amen. In verse 18 of Acts 26, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan under God, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God, then it is when a person's eyes are open to the gospel of Jesus Christ that they are turned from the power of Satan to the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Him. Amen. Beloved, God wants every creature in the light and Satan wants every creature in the darkness. And that's why he told us to go into all the world and preach what? The gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. And when people come into the light, they turn from the power of Satan, which really is in darkness, and they come over into the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and they experience reality with God. This is the message that we are to proclaim to the whole world. This is good news. For all humanity, you don't have to suffer and die in your sins anymore. The penalty has already been paid by Jesus Christ. The blood's already been shed. You don't have to be overcome by a sickness or by a disease anymore. Praise God, the price has already been paid. Jesus bore uh, upon his own body on the tree. Us, by his stripes we are healed. He bore it for us. You don't have to be destroyed by emotional pressures and, and problems and your, and your emotions any longer because the chastisement of our peace is upon him. Praise God. And as a result of what he bore, we need not bear or be overcome by any of it. Right. And that's the good news that people need to hear. It's not all that difficult. It's not that complex. It's the simplicity of the gospel message. 
It's just that Satan is trying to keep people's minds blinded to the truth so that their eyes are not open. Well, beloved, what's the gospel message? It's very simple. John 3, 16. What's the message that we are to preach to the world? Go into all the world and preach the what? Gospel is good news. What's the good news we're to preach to the world? For God so loved the world. You know the world doesn't know that. Everybody say, God loves the world. Say it again, God loves the world. You know the Bible says we have a need to go out into the world? You know we have a need to fellowship with the world? Not with those that say they're Christians and do wrong, but people that are in the world, we're to go out there and reach them. Roll up our sleeves like the Apostle Paul did. Jesus sat with sinners, ate with sinners, talked to prostitutes, tax collectors that were evil and deceptive. Jesus got right in the middle of them all, rolled up his sleeves and told them the truth that set them free. And that's what we are to do. To let all the peoples of this world know, praise God, that Jesus died for them and that Jesus has set them free from whatever it is that's holding them in bondage. That God loves the whole world and he proved it by the giving of his only begotten son. That whosoever in all this world would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. I like this about God. He doesn't just say I love you. He proves it. I said he proves it. God so loved the world. I want you to think about the world. I want you to think about that sinner. I want you to think about that person you might work with that's a heathen. That's someone that you probably can't tolerate to be around because of how he swears or cusses and how he uses the name of the Lord in vain. And the things that he does, how he talks about his wife like he shouldn't talk about his wife and, and how deceptive he is, how lying he is. And, and it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And I want you to stand there next time and look at that pe person and say, man, God loves that person. I may not understand it, but I'm telling you, God loves that person so much. His life is so precious. His life is so valuable that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for that person. That seemingly is so awful and so offensive to you. God loves the world. We're to tell the world that God loves the world. He proved it. He gave His only begotten Son so that those that are in the world need not perish. But it doesn't stop there. He gave Jesus for the world so the world would not perish or be lost eternally. But look at Romans chapter 8, if you would, please. It does not stop there. We've got a message to give, beloved. And I pray that you're reading this or, or receiving this in, in new understandings and in, in, in a deeper light. And almost as if it's new material to you. And I know you know all this, but I want you to receive it as if it's new material to you tonight. God loves people beyond these walls. Those riding up and down the highway. Those planning to commit murder tonight. Or planning a robbery or a rape or whatever. God loves the world. And he wants us to get out there. And before they do it, tell them, you don't have to do it. God loves you. You don't have to do it. Jesus died for you. Your life is valuable. Your life is precious. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. What's leading you to this? What's driving you to this? What is just destroying you on the inside that you've got to cry out in this way and do these horrible things in life? You don't have to anymore. God loves you. Jesus died for you so that you not, need not perish, but have everlasting life. And look at Romans chapter 8, verse 32. No, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, 
Romans 8.31, who can be against us? If you're out there, or you know someone out there who is sickly, there's good news for that person. Great news for that person. God is for you. He is for you getting well. He is for you being better. He is for you overcoming. He has made provisions for what you need. For he that spared not his only son. God so loved the world, he gave the world his only son. And he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also, everybody say freely. Say it again, freely. You know the free favors of God have been poured out abundantly upon all the human race. Do you realize that? Do we realize that tonight? How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Freely give us healing. Freely give us deliverance. Freely give us peace. Freely give us all of our needs met. Freely do for us whatever it is that we need to have done in, in this life in which we live. How shall he not do that if he has already given us his only begotten son? That's the question that Paul raises. And the answer is very simple. He will, for he has. Amen. The world needs to know that. And not only does the world need to know that, we all need to know that. Amen. I want you to turn with me now because I've got some great news for those who are standing against sickness or disease in their body. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Oh, I've got some great news. I've got some good news. I have got a revelation to give to you tonight and to those that are sick tonight that'll get your feet to dancing, put a spring in your step, a song in your heart, a shout in your voice. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Glory to God. There is a gospel message right. that tells us provision has already been made for us to be saved, to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free, to overcome, to be victorious, to succeed in this life and to live out the full length of our days, praise God, until it's time for us to give up the ghost and go be with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, Everybody, if you haven't highlighted this in your Bible, if you haven't underscored it in your Bible, then do it right now. By whose stripes you were healed. Say it with me. By his stripes, By his stripes. I was healed. Say it again. By his stripes, I was healed. I don't want you to see this as a promise, for this is not a promise. This is a decree. This is a statement of fact. This is something that, as far as God is concerned, is a statement of fact. It is a truth. It is a decree. It is a declaration of something that is a reality in the mind of God. Amen. Say it again with me. By his stripes, By his stripes. I, was I was healed. That is the decree. Why is it important for us to understand what a decree is? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 5, if you would, please. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 5. Amen. Beloved, this is going to put a faith in your heart that will be invincible. This is going to put a new look in your heart with regard to standing against the storms of life and especially sickness and disease. Amen. 
in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 22. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 22. God has made a declaration. God has already made a statement of fact. Would you agree with me that Jesus bore our sin? Would you? Would you agree with me that God made him to be sin for us? That's not a promise, is it? That's a statement of fact. Was he made sin for you? Was he? Well, praise God. That means he was made sin for all of us. We had nothing to do with it, but it's a declaration of truth given to us by God, something that he already did. Beloved, he was made more than sin. He was also made sick with our sickness. And by his stripes, God has decreed we are healed. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 22, Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree? Everybody say decree. And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Everybody say prevail. prevail. Say decree. decree. Prevail. prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. Now let's get this straight in our thinking. God has made a decree that the sand of the seashore is the bound by which the sea must obey. The waters of the sea, no matter how mighty they are, they cannot overstep their bounds. They cannot pass over, not because the sand is so powerful, but because of the perpetual decree made by God. And though the sea roars and the waves come, they've got to stop right at the shore, right at the sand, because of the decree. And the water shall not prevail. To prevail means triumph, rise above, to win. They cannot be superior. The ways of the sea cannot be superior in strength, force, or influence over the sand. Now, look up here at me for a moment. How powerful is sand? Ever been out there on a the seashore and you pick up these little bitty pieces of sand, just tiny, minute little things? Watch the wind just blow them away. Not very powerful at all. You ever get hit by a big wave? Ever see big waves out there in the sea, especially when they're somewhat of a storm? The ocean represents tremendous strength and force, doesn't it? Mighty power, doesn't it? How significant is this sand when it comes to standing against the strength of the sea? Its power cannot compare or match at all the force of a raging sea. Isn't that true? But because of a decree, the waters can't pass over. Because of a decree, the waters cannot prevail, triumph, be superior in force over or strength over the sand along the seashore. Well, there have been times, I'm sure, when we're aware of hurricane winds, 
and storms that come and pound the seashore. And in some instances, it appears as though the sand is not victorious. See, when the storm comes, the wind blows, and the waves of the sea are bigger and bigger, they attempt to stretch beyond the bounds that God has placed for them. And the waters pass over a bit and create maybe some flooding and so on. And you can just see that mighty wave coming over the, over the sand at the seashore and saying, looks like I'm winning now. Looks like I'm overcoming now. Looks like I'm superior in strength and force and might and power now. And just goes on bragging and bragging and bragging and bragging and bragging, talking to the sand of the seashore. But you can just see the sand just sitting there very calmly, very quietly, but very securely, and just whispering out, you've got to go back. 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 You cannot prevail. You cannot prevail. You cannot triumph. You cannot be victorious. You cannot win out. You cannot rise above. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. And in due time, what happens to the waters of the sea? Where do they go? They go back, don't they? Jesus said the storms of life will come to us all. Every single one of us. The storms of life will rage and batter the shore of our lives and try to come on over, attacking our bodies with sickness or disease or financial problems or whatever, just beating against us and beating against us and beating against us and beating against us. God wants us to remember the sand. It's not because the sand is so strong. It's because of the perpetual decree that said the water shall not pass over. Well, when sickness comes across our path and tries to cross over the line that God has decreed and tries to get a hold of us, we'll stand firm in our faith and say, you've got to go back. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You can't stay. You've got to go back. Why? Because it's been decreed by His stripes. I am healed. And it looks like you're winning, but you're not winning. You're not superior in force, strength, power, or might. God gave us a decree by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed. I am healed. You've got to go back. You see, beloved, I want you to turn with me to Mark's gospel, if you would, please. The problem is this. When you first start learning about this walk of faith, the things of God are the smallest in your life, in my life, in the school of our hearts. And to be frank about it, even if you've been at it for a while, if there's an evil report that comes into our lives, it seems as though the seed of, our, of God's Word is the smallest thing. And our emotions are much bigger. Our feelings are much bigger. The reports of the doctor are much bigger than what the decree of God's Word has spoken or the decree that God made. I want you to see what Jesus said here about the Word of God. In, Matthew, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, 
Verse 30, he says, and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God and its operation within the heart of man? I'm paraphrasing for you. Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, which is the heart of man, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. You know, when you're attacked with Satan, the storm of life comes. You have to just be honest with me. It seems like as though the rug's been pulled out from beneath you. It's like the sands there along the seashore when that hurricane force wind comes and the storm blows in and it seems like it's no match and the waters begin to, to rise up above and, and seemingly, seemingly prevail over. You see, the sand remains stationary. The sand does not move because of the decree of God. And it seems like in our hearts, my goodness, the rug's been pulled out. The voices are coming against us. Our feelings are lining up with, with wrong things. Our mind is just running rampant with thoughts coming to our minds as, as quickly as machine gun bullets can fly. And it seems like it's the smallest of all things. And the problem is the biggest of all things in our hearts, in the soul of our hearts. Can you see that? And it's almost as if we're doing this like the sand along the seashore. You've got to go back. And the sea is roaring. I've overcome. And you're saying, you've got to go back. But it's real small inside you. Real small. Because it seems like that disease is so big. It seems like that problem is so mighty. And you're just whispering, you've got to go back. And it's roaring. I've won. You've lost. You're not going to make it. And you're saying, you've got to go back. By his stripes, I was healed. It's like the smallest of all things. But you see, you've been taught to be confident in the word of God. And so even though the storm has come, like Jesus said, you're immovable. You're planted upon solid ground. You're upon the rock of ages, the rock of your salvation. And you may be quiet in, in saying it. You've got to go back. By his stripes, I was healed. You've got to go back. You can't stay in my life. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Look at what it says. It is like the grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Now listen. But when it is sown, it groweth up. It groweth up. It groweth up. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. It's growing on the inside. It's getting bigger on the inside. Look at what it says. And becometh greater. And becometh greater. And becometh greater. It groweth up and becometh greater. All of a sudden, that roar is not so loud. All of a sudden, the seed of God's word, by his stripes, I was healed. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. And all of a sudden, the voice of the storm is getting softer and softer and smaller and smaller. And the voice of God's word is getting louder and louder. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You've got more assurance in your heart. You've got more confidence in your heart. You can't stay. You've got to go back. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. It's been decreed. You cannot prevail. Triumph. 
you cannot have more strength or power over my life than the Word of God. You've got to go back. Look at Acts chapter 19, if you would, please. We sow the seed of God's Word into our hearts, and it begins to grow. It's a slow but sure process until finally it groweth and becomes greater in force and influence and superior in strength than the storm that has come against you in your life. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 20, it says, So mightily grew the Word of God, and everybody say prevailed. Say it again, it prevailed. It triumphed. See, it rose up above. Listen to what the Word of God did. It prevailed. It became superior in strength, in force, and in influence over all the opposing forces that were against them. And if you put it in context, here's what you find out. He started dealing with people that were over there at Ephesus that were not born again and spirit-filled, but they were being led by the traditions of the fathers and the Baptists. They were actually uh, disciples of John the Baptist. You could say they were Baptists. The Baptists. They, they, they were John the Baptist followers. Okay? They never heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. They were steeped in their own religious tradition, but they were doing all they possibly could. But Paul got a hold of them and he began to preach the gospel to them and so mightily grew the Word of God in their hearts. It prevailed over their thinking. It prevailed over their influences. It prevailed over all their tradition. They got filled, first of all, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues and prophesied and gave glory to God. Then all of a sudden in that same area, Paul cast out devils. Signs and waters were, ta were taking place because of the anointed cloths that were, that were handed out to the people. The people brought their curious arts right there before the lives of the disciples and they made a big mound and they burned all their books of sorcery and witchcraft and spiritism and all that. And you could say this, the force of God's Word became greater and superior to the influence and the strength and the force that demons, demon power and religious traditions had over all the lives of the people. So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed in the hearts and lives of all these people. When you first hear the word of healing, it might be a small seed in your heart. But saint of God, if you'll stay with it, it will grow. It will grow until it becomes greater in force and in strength and in power and superior to all the forces and the influences and the voices of all those things that are out there against you in your life. This is good news. This is great news. There's been a decree. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. God sent His Word and healed you and delivered you from your destructions. Get a hold of the seed of God's Word. Put it on the inside of your heart and watch it grow until it becomes greater in strength, greater in force, greater in power over all the force and strength and influence of that sickness or disease that has tried to attach itself to your life. Over all the powers that have come against your emotions, over all the forces that have come against your, your finances, over all the attacks that have come against your family life. Get a hold of the seed of God's Word. Sow it inside your heart until it grows and becomes greater. You know, people have found, they, they discovered seed that was 2,500 years old. 
over in Egypt in the pyramids, they found seed. And it was cared for and protected and, and watched over. For all those years, that seed never produced a thing. Not one thing. Nothing. 2,500 years. They got it, they planted it, and it produced. What does that tell you about the seed of God's Word? That seed of God's Word could stay on the printed page in your house, on your end table, forever, for your whole lifetime, and never produce anything. It'll never grow and become greater. But if you'll get a hold of the seed of God's Word, if you'll take that decree given by God in 1 Peter 2.24 and say, By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. It's been decreed. And as the waters cannot pass over the seashore, so cannot sickness destroy my life or take my life because as far as I'm concerned, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And it's got to go back. It cannot stay. And if you'll stand firm and fixed in what you believe and stay focused on what the Word of God has to say, when the storms of life come against you, praise God, it'll have to bow its knee. It will have to bow its knee because you can't be overcome because of the decree that God gave, a perpetual decree. It'll be forever that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and we shall see him, no one shall desire him. He is not esteemed of man, sick and smitten of God, but he is wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed, decreed by God forever. It'll stand forever. Take the seed of that word, sow it in your heart, let it grow and become greater than anything else you allow in your heart, into your life. And when the storm comes, boldly declare, you will not prevail. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.